And now, Matt Wright. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome to the Vanguard. It's weird not having somebody else here because I'm so used to... Uh, Doing this. I am Matt Wright, and together we are traversing the muddied waters of freedom. Um, <clears throat> first and foremost, allow me to thank my good friend, Matt Johnson, of also known as the Narcissist Cookbook, because he lets me use his music on this show, and I love it whenever I get to put that one on there, uh, because it is seven minutes of complete and utter happiness, dismay, and uh, people just get so angry at it, and it makes, it's just so funny. Uh, but thank you. Uh, I, I love that song. I love everything he does. He's fantastic. Uh, you should check him out, the Narcissist Cookbook. You can find his stuff literally everywhere. So uh, go check out the Narcissist Cookbook. Uh, also, if you are watching this on YouTube, if you're watching it on Twitter, if you're watching it on Facebook, uh, be sure that you uh, comment, comment, comment. Uh, be sure to hit the like button. Be sure to hit the share button and share this everywhere. Share it so everybody can see it. And if you are one of the people who are on your favorite podcasting platform, thank you, because that is how I get paid. Um, so thank you for listening. Also, if you could leave us five star review and leave us a review um that will just kind of help us out in the long run and uh it literally takes you zero time so please 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 thank you thank you thank you uh bula vanaka to all of you let's get ready to have a great show so uh before we get into everything and this one's gonna be a lot of fun uh before we get into everything do you hate yourself do you hate waking up in the morning and thinking hmm you know I don't want to feel wonderful and warm and cozy in the morning. Well, I've got just the thing for you. It's mud water. It is a coffee alternative that has one seventh of the caffeine as coffee. It is made with masala chai, cacao, mushrooms, turmeric, sea salt, cinnamon, and that is it. Now you're probably sitting there thinking to yourself, Matt, this stuff cannot taste good. And it can depending on what you put in it. I recommend honey. Uh, but if you want to get started on hating your your mornings uh, slightly more than you already do, head on over to muddywatersoffreedom.com slash mud and you can join that mud water family today. Um, <laughs> so uh, Joshua Coe says, how was that song for some existential crisis? If you're listening on audio, you're not going to know what song that is. But um, yeah, I I actually found that song. Courtney did it uh, by the Narcissist Cookbook um, because of Muddied Waters Media. Um, when I was when I took a slight hiatus from Muddied Waters Media because I got a job in Alaska, I was up there and I was still keeping in touch with a lot of the people who were part of the fan base. Many of them still are. And um, one of them messaged me and he said, hey man, have you ever heard of this guy? And I said, no, and he sent me the song. And it was that song and I put it on and I was walking around the streets of Ketchikan and I, uh, I'm just blankly walking through these chilly streets in the middle of summer, uh, you know, much like the degrees here in Florida now. And so I'm like walking through these streets, got my headphones in and I am just like, taken back by 
by the power of like at first i'm just like yeah okay courtney did it of course i've heard this before yeah courtney did it yeah sure and then he <laughs> goes into that middle part and it was like whoa and then i started thinking about all the um all of the uh conspiracy theories i believe in and then at the end of it i realized no i'm not wrong i am not wrong about these things everybody else in the world is um <laughs> So uh if you want if you want to check out more of the narcissist cookbook check check him out. Uh you can find him again everywhere. Uh also, before we go on, it, it today is the 29th and we are having a Black Friday sale on all things at Muddied Water store. Um I really should have put the in by in the notes so I could just easily go to you. Uh e easily pass that along. But uh if you put in code muddied at our store you can uh get 15 percent off of orders 50 dollars or more 15 percent off orders 50 dollars or more if you put in code muddy at the link that i just put in to the comments so <laughs> be sure that you go over and do that um and again thank everybody for tuning in i'm glad that you all are here and uh i'm excited to get into this show so over the weekend well, first, we have to do a little bit of a backstory. When I was growing up, Who's the Boss played a large part in those formative years for me, and namely, Alyssa Milano. She was definitely one of the first crushes, screen crushes that I had when she was on that show. And now, not so much. So this weekend, as we all know, she tweeted this. I gave my, back my Tesla. I bought the VW EV. I love it. I'm not sure how advertisers can buy space on Twitter, publicly traded companies' products being pushed in alignment with hate and white supremacy doesn't seem to be a winning business model. Obviously, she got excoriated for this on Twitter. She got just immediately, uh, the Hodge twins came out and they said the very obvious things that everybody else in the comments was saying, um, that Volkswagen, was started by the Nazis, which it was. And we can forget about, like, let's forget that Volkswagen was started by the Nazis. And not like, you know, the Nazis, how they call, how I've been called a Nazi or how uh, different factions have been called Nazis or how, you know, anyone that you disagree with online is a Nazi, but like a real Nazi, a murderer of the Jewish people uh, in an attempt to, and a, a, a Nazi that is going to attempt to achieve global domination, that kind of Nazi. But instead, let, so forget, forget that part. Forget the Volkswagen started by Nazis. She said, I'm not sure how advertisers can buy space on Twitter. How advertisers can buy space on Twitter with her check mark that she pays for.
why wouldn't why would you pay the money for the check if you don't think advertisers should do it? We can forget about the Nazi thing. Like, obviously, that was just not a well thought out tweet from beginning to end. But you're literally paying for your check. And then you're going to hit advertisers and tell them they shouldn't be advertising uh, or paying for advertising on Twitter when you are literally paying for your check. Joe Hanush says, uh, anyone that disagrees with me online actually is a Nazi, though. Um, uh, Meg Jones says, who's the boss? Um, Elon. E yes, Elon is her boss. Um, so, uh, <laughs> speaking of other uh, dumb things that people have done this week, uh, Fauci, last week, appeared at his last White House presser. Um, and he did this to the all of the adoration and uh, aplomb one would expect to see enshrined on him by this administration. The, my favorite part, which I actually I don't have this in the in the notes, but my favorite part, and anybody that watches this, you can you can see this look happen. Um, after he gets introduced, uh, after he gets introduced, which we're going to show the introduction, but after he gets introduced and he's shuffling up to the podium uh, in only the way that he can, you kind of see this look of sadness on his face that there isn't some sort of like applause for him. Like you can tell he wanted the press to be happy that he was there. It it was such a beautiful moment, but the camera was really far back. So, and I didn't want to do that much editing, but the human box of bricks, Corinne Jean-Pierre, introduced him to the crowd of reporters with this intro. For so many Americans throughout our fight with COVID, Dr. Fauci has been a source of information and facts. But Dr. Fauci's leadership and legacy stretch far beyond the past couple of years, as you all have known him. Uh, it, uh, it actually goes back even further, as I was just stating, uh, whether it be HIV AIDS, Ebola, or COVID-19, for close to four decades and under seven Republican and Democratic presidents, Dr. Fauci has always led with the science and our country is stronger and healthier because of his leadership. So many of you in the comments were getting to where we we're going to go, but we're, we're going to break this down a little bit. Um, so she said that for the past 40 years or whatever, um, he has been a leader and that he has been at the head. Josh Umbaugh in the comments is definitely getting to what we're talking about first um, and how he has been at the head of uh, at, he's been out ahead of all of these diseases as they've been coming out. So. Let's start with HIV. Now, in May of 1983, he wrote in the Journal of American Medicine Association about the possibility that routine close contact, as within a family household, can spread the disease. If we add to this possibility that non-sexual, non-blood-borne transmission is possible, the scope of the syndrome may be enormous. 
So upon this coming out in May of 1983, the media picked up on it and they ran with it. This was the narrative of what AIDS was. They said that at some point in the future, this is not just going to be a sexually transmitted disease. This is going to be something that you are just going to be able to catch in non-sexual, non-bloodborne transmission. Um, and that caused so much fear that it created the amount of hate that you saw in the 80s for people with the disease and fear that any single person out there that uh, was homosexual was going to potentially contract this disease and then give it to you in the future. There was a thing that was big in the 80s. I don't know how many of my listeners were alive back then or uh, remember this if you were alive back then because there was a lot of cocaine back then. Um, but there was a thing back in the 80s where they said you could get AIDS from a mosquito if the mosquito had bitten somebody with AIDS and then bit you. This is because of things that Fauci had said and the way that the media took it, ran with it, and just sprinted with it. These were things that were believed that these could happen. No, not how it could have happened. And it happened this way so much that uh, it, it was going this way so much that after two months, after two months, he refuted the claims. He refuted saying, no, you cannot. It would be preposterous for anyone to believe that it's possible to get this from a non-sexual manner or non-blood uh, transfusion manner. It's not even possible. Why would anybody think something so stupid? And it's because he wrote it. He wrote it. He at one point said something like, you'd be able to get it from the, uh, from the kitchen counters or you know, sharing cereal with your kids. You'd be able to pass it to them. He wrote these things and then he went, how can anybody believe this? Now, as we, everybody that has lived through the last couple of years of COVID, we know that he is famous for saying things. And then just moments later, well, months later, he turns around and goes, why would anybody believe that? It's because you said it, Fauci. It's not because of anything else. You said it. Um, Ebola. When Ebola happened uh, in 2014, uh, he hit the EU and uh, he hit, hit the EU and all of Africa for their reaction to the Ebola outbreak. Um, he said that they were testing. He said that America here, we were testing anyone coming from those areas of the world. But if they didn't get more screeners, it could get bad. He's like, it could, this could spread. And while we were lucky to have a hospital system that could stop Ebola, it could cause massive issues. This led the media to fear we're going to have Ebola. We're going to have this big Ebola spread. I don't know how many of you remember that. It was one of like, we also had this with the swine flu and the bird flu and SARS and you know, everything else. It's always become this massive thing. He is the reason it becomes the massive thing. There were four cases, four confirmed cases of Ebola in America. Four. But everybody was terrified of it. I remember when swine flu happened, that was what, 
2010, nine, 10, um, swine flu was a thing and everybody was worried. They're like, Oh, people are dying. You need to be very careful. And of course I lived my life how I normally live my life. And I got a pizza from a major pizza chain that I won't name. Um, and I got the worst food poisoning of my life. Worst food poisoning of my life. I will spare you all of the gruesome details of this food poisoning, but it was the worst food poisoning of my life. Um, like didn't sleep because there was no time to sleep. It was every few minutes I was in the bathroom. Um, I called, I called my uh, dad cause we were working together at the time. And I was like, Hey, I am, I can't come in. I am really, really sick. Uh, and he said, okay, uh, maybe you should go to a doctor. I was like, no, I think it's food poisoning. He goes, well, it could be swine flu and I don't want you to die. And I was like, no, I'm pretty certain it's food poisoning because of how I'm reacting. Um, but it was another thing where he had pushed it, where everybody was terrified of this disease and how this, how everybody was going to react with this disease. And instead it ends up kind of passing through same thing would have kind of happened with COVID. We all would have gotten our immunities. Yes, people over 65, you can go back and forth on the vaccine, whether or not it helps people over the age of 65. I don't know, I'm not there. So I know that people my age who don't have a lot of uh, condition uh, conditions, they don't need to take it. And they could have lived their lives the entire way through without any issue. You would have gotten sick, you would have gotten better. If you got sick again, the second time it would have been so bad. You would have been just fine. Um, and then she says COVID. And obviously, we've done the thing on COVID a hundred times and we're all tired, but let's one more. Um, starting out in March of 2020, he said, you don't need masks. If you said that, hey, maybe if you were on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook at the time, and you said, hey, maybe you should wear a mask, uh, they would say, this is disinformation and remove your post. And then like a month later, they were saying, no, you need to wear a mask. Uh, he was like, no, you need masks are good. You need to wear your masks. Uh, even though, according to emails that were leaked recently, he was emailing his friends saying that they weren't useful, but he was still pushing the masks. Um, he was still pushing the masks. And then after people were getting tired of the masks and uh, Omicron started coming out, he said, you know what? Maybe instead of one mask, you could wear two masks because this offers you one layer of protection and the next one will give you an added layer of protection. And this will be double the protection. So double mask when you are in public. And I, at that point I had already stopped wearing it. I didn't care anymore. Um, I didn't care from the beginning. I was just forced to everywhere. Um, he said that the vaccine would protect you from COVID. He said the vaccine would prevent you from spreading it to other people. And as we've recently learned, no, that's not true. It has done very little in order to protect you from COVID. And in fact, now most of the people dying with COVID are at least partially vaccinated. Yes, you can say it's because there are different strains out there and that it has mutated and that the uh, vaccine that they have doesn't cover the one that they are dying from. But the issue is you can't make a vaccine for a virus. We said that on this show, January of uh, 2021, January of 2021, we said you can't make a vaccine for a virus. It's a virus. It mutates. 
once it starts coming up against something that's fighting against it, it will mutate to try to remain alive because that's what viruses do. It will continue to mutate and it will continue to try to figure out a way to live because it is a living thing. Um, we also know that you could still spread it to people after getting it. The vaccines may have helped people over the age of 65, people who were morbidly obese or people with a lot of pre-existing conditions, but for the vast majority of people, they did nothing. He said um, we needed to lock down everything repeatedly. He said, when we're going to get into China a little bit later, but he said that uh, we need to lock down everything. said what China is doing is probably the right way to do it because they haven't had any COVID deaths. Well, they're lying, Tony. Uh, they are absolutely lying when they said that. Um, but he said that we need to lock down everything and then refuse to take blame for everything that came from the fallout, the fact that people lost their jobs, the fact that businesses closed, the fact that uh, people, uh, the fact that uh, people uh, were having more overdoses, there was more uh, domestic violence, uh, there was more, uh, there was more alcoholism, like all of those things, no issue. When he said. When uh, the the school reports came out, when the school reports came out and he was saying or and they said, yeah, apparently when we locked down and we closed the schools and we sent everybody home and we were doing virtual learning and that made it where kids aren't testing as high anymore. He said, I never said to lock down. I never said to lock down. That's. That's not what that's not what I said. Like, we don't have the receipts of him saying we should definitely lock down. Um, and let's not get into the origins of the virus yet on what's true, what's not true, because honestly, I know what I think is true. I'm certain many of you agree with me, um, but we aren't getting any answers out of this administration. So after Corinne Jean-Pierre, uh, gave him that wonderful adoration, Dr. Ashish Jha, uh, had this to say about Fauci when he came on stage. And I don't believe that Dr. Ja knows that he doesn't have to suck up to that pedantic piece of puppy murdering shit anymore. Well, hard to follow Dr. Fauci, who I would argue has been the most important consequential public servant in the United States in the last half century and a leader and a role model for so many of us. So, Tony, thank you. Um, the last 50, 50 years, the last 50 years, he said that he was the most consequential and important leader of the last 50 years and one of the greatest leaders. The mo okay, so to be fair, at the beginning, most consequential, most consequential, uh, Public servant, I think is what he said. Uh, the most consequential public servant. I can accept that. I can absolutely accept that statement. It caused a series of unfortunate events to occur, including, as we went through earlier, uh, overdoses, domestic violence, the 2020 riots, which were absolutely caused by lockdowns. 
They were absolutely caused by lockdowns. Yes, George Floyd being murdered in the streets of uh, of Minnesota. Also, yes, did. But the fact that you had kept everybody locked up in their house for, at this point, three, four months. I don't remember when that happened. Did that happen in May? So two months. You kept everybody locked up in their house two months. Um, two months telling them, you can't leave. You can't work. You can't do this. You can't do that. And then they sit there and they watch somebody get murdered in the streets. They were a powder keg waiting to blow, angry at government, angry at the institutions, angry at the state. And that was the match that set it off. That was the match that set it off. Nobody will ever convince me that the riots of 2020 were not caused because of the COVID measures put in place by governments. Um, the falling scores for children in school, people losing their jobs, uh, helped push for, and he helped push for the most egregious spending, spending spree this nation has ever seen. But as a leader, he's crap. He's crap. He makes a statement, and then when he comes out just shortly after, uh, it, People will come out shortly after and will be like, oh, well, no, I never said that. That is not what a leader does. He doesn't deny saying it. He says, I was wrong. And Fauci has never said the words, I was wrong. In fact, instead, he sits there and he says, he says that he's the science. And anyone who disagrees with him, he basically says, is probably a domestic terrorist who wants your grandmother to die. This is These are not the... These are not what make a leader. These are what make a leader in China, maybe, but these are not what make a leader. Um, as far as like, I was, so when I was doing the notes, I was trying to think, and I was like, who was a great leader in America uh, in the last 50 years? And I couldn't come up with one. I, re I legitimately could not come up with a great leader in America in the last 50 years. Because either the people that we have put into positions of power are abject failures, Jimmy Carter, um, Joe Biden, uh, you know, you can name so many. Uh, they're either abject failures or they are more worried about their own image than they are about anything else. And it's a narcissistic game for them. It's a self-involved game. and. They aren't worried about being great leaders. They're just worried about how you, the individual, look look at them and whether or not you admire them or you don't admire them. And Fauci is the king of that. And yes, I do include Trump in that list. And he is right here under Fauci. So... So no great leaders over the last 50 years and uh, Fauci definitely no. Um, so then a reporter wanted to ask questions about the origins of COVID. Something, you know, and as we said earlier, something that we'll probably never find out and that Fauci has yet to come out and say definitively where it started. And, you know, that went just as well as you would Respect. Only 13% uh, of... Hold on one second. 
we have a process here. I'm not calling out on people who yell. And you're being, you're, being, you're being disrespectful to your colleagues, and you're being disrespectful to our guests. I will not call on you if you yell. And also, you're taking time off the clock, because Dr. Fauci has to leave in a couple of minutes. I, I'm done. I'm not, going, I'm not getting into a back and forth with you. Go ahead, Jeremy. Dr. Fauci, um, but, but she's only, like, she's only like, third grade question. You ask your question, you should allow her to ask the question. It is not your turn. It is not your turn. You can read a press briefing. You need to call from people across the room. She has a valid question. She's asking about the origin of COVID. I hear the question. I, I hear your question, but we're not doing this the way you want it. This is a disrespectful. It is. I'm done. Simon, I'm done. I'm Simon, I'm done. I'm done with you right now. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. You're taking time away from your colleagues. Go ahead. Only 13% of adults have gotten this up. So, for anybody watching that, the translation of what KJP was saying to normal humans like you and me is, was his name Jeremy or Justin? I'm going to call him Jeremy uh, because I don't remember if it was Jeremy or Justin. Uh, Jeremy, how dare you? This is a press conference to celebrate this human that is the closest thing to God you and I have ever seen. We are lucky that we can hear his voice with how holy he is and not have our heads explode from the deity-like tones of his voice, you ingrate. How dare you, you piece of shit. Because on this, the last great stage of government, uh, he should not be questioned about things that actually matter. He should not be asked, where is the virus from? Was it created in a lab? Why was this made? These are questions he should not be bothered with. Only ask this man, this, this saint, Dr. Fauci, only ask questions about the vaccines, where to get them, and whether or not they should masks. Oh, and after Christmas, do you think parents should worry on whether or not schools should close because we are seeing an uptick in COVID and respiratory uh, viral, respiratory viral and the flu? Should schools be closed? These are the only things that you should bother this man with. Do not bother him with anything else. Jeremy, you piece of shit. So, KJP actually had a really busy couple of days um, with that and not calling out China for anything. Uh, not calling out China for anything and going after Elon Musk a lot or his actions on Twitter. But, she had a doozy of a time when after the shooting that we discussed last week in Colorado Springs and the one at a Walmart in Chesapeake, Virginia, which I've actually been to that Walmart many times. 
um, Dems are apparently looking to use this lame duck session, excuse me, to look this lame duck session to pass assault weapons bans with Joe Biden weighing in on this subject. The idea we still allow semi-automatic weapons to be purchased is sick. It's just sick. It has no, no social redeeming value. Zero. None. So I know anybody that's watching or listening to this show knows what a semi-auto semi is. One pull, one bullet. He said it is sick, 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 that you are still allowed, that you are still allowed to uh, sell semi-autos and they have no social redeeming socially redeeming qualities. This means that if you were to go out hunting, you could use bows, bow and arrows. Uh, you could use shotguns or muzzle loaders. Um, and basically that's it. If you wanted to protect your family, uh, you could use bow and arrows, shotguns, or muzzle loaders, and basically that's it. Um, and if you wanted to uh, go to a range, you could use bows, shotguns, at the ranges that let you use shotguns and muzzle loaders, and that's it. Now, KJP immediately, immediately, a couple days later, walked back Biden's statement um, saying, of course he didn't mean semi-autos. He meant assault weapons. And when she was asked to define assault weapons... Only 13% of... Hold on one second. We have a process here. I'm not calling out on people who yell. And you're being, you're, being, you're being disrespectful to your colleagues and you're being disrespectful to our guests. I will not call on you if you yell. And also you're taking time off the clock because Dr. Fauci has to leave in a couple of minutes. I, I'm done, I'm not, going, I'm not getting into a back and forth with you. Go ahead, Jeremy. His name was Jeremy. She didn't actually say that because nobody asked, because nobody asked that question anymore because you know you're not gonna get a straight answer. They're just going to give you some rambling answer that will be all encompassing of as many guns as they possibly can and nobody will ever actually define what an assault rifle is or an assault weapon they won't it's not even rifle sorry uh but yeah assault weapon so but instead she's doing that she's she's doing this instead of saying anything about the chinese they came out with the i, I didn't put this in the notes because it came out today um, and I work on the notes the night before, um, so sometimes I have to just kind of tell you about things. But they came out with the weakest statement ever on China. Um, Joe Hanush says they redefined vaccine. They did. They redefined vaccine. They, re they redefined recession. Uh, if English words don't matter anymore, then English words don't matter. And nothing means anything. And, you know, war, war is peace. Strength is weakness. Um, but she's not they aren't they came out with the weakest argument on China, who, by the way, had the spiciest Black Friday on earth this year. 
Black Friday in America had nothing on China's Black Friday. A fire broke out in an apartment building in, uh, I can't even pronounce the name of that city, so I'm not going to try, killing 10. And this is one of the many buildings where people were trapped inside and they were welded in because they didn't want people to leave for fear that they would get COVID. So they were screaming from the building, help us, help us, get us out of here, unlock the doors, get us out, we don't want to die. And they were essentially allowed to die by the by the government of that city. Um, because of this, thousands of activists in China have been taken to the streets of Beijing, Shanghai, Wuhan, and Nanjing in an unprecedented, unprecedented wave of dissent that you have not seen in China since the 80s, Tiananmen Square. Um, It was so insane that they were protesting and chanting for democracy and freedom in front of Tsinghua University. And for anybody who doesn't know, Tsinghua University, I don't know if I'm saying that right, Tsinghua University, is the college that Xi went to and the president before him. This is a massively communist party uh the chinese communist party they send everybody there anybody that's going to become a leader goes there they were protesting there asking for chanting begging pleading demanding democracy and freedom but with a Joe Hanush says, but the government has to lock people in place till they die to protect them from not dying. What's so hard to understand about? Yeah, that's exactly what's going on. And that is actually one of the biggest issues that you're seeing in China. Like they are, they're locking you in place, locking you into your death to protect you from dying. And how many steps I don't, I'm going to come out here. I, I don't think America is close to that. I think certain areas of America would like to do that, but I know that they know that they can't. But how many steps away are we from that happening? And at what point between where we are now and where that is, is that going to be where people will stand up and say, no, we aren't doing this anymore? I thought that a lot of, uh, a lot of the blowback from COVID was going to be, you're going to see more third party candidates being elected and you're going to see less of the people that were supporting the lockdowns be reelected. But what we saw in these midterms was not that it wasn't that instead we saw a complete shift. It was almost as though so many people were like, well, we aren't worried about that right now because we're more worried that we keep the democracy that we keep to democracies. So we're not worried about whether or not, uh, you know, they locked us in our houses or made the economy, helped with the economy tanking. It wasn't completely that, but it was a big portion of it. Um, you know, reckless spending for the last 40 years helped with that. Um, at what point do people stand up? If you take a look at countries all across the world, with Canada, they had the truckers, uh, they had the truckers, and so many people 
the truckers protest and so many people were on the side of the truckers and then Trudeau shut off their bank accounts and he said, nope, we're, cu- we're cutting off your funds. You're not going to have access to your money anymore. That right there would have been a good time for them to revolt up there, but they didn't, but they didn't. At what point would that happen here? Where would it come where we had, where the government had gone so far that we would be pushed to that brink? Are we close to it? Is it somewhere that we are, or the, are we nearing that? Or is it something that we will all talk about and that we will all kind of complain about the situation that we're seeing and everything that's going on? But then when it comes up to that moment, we all turn and go back. Where is it that we're at with it? Because I, because honestly, I don't know. I, I don't know where it is. Three percent tax on tea. I wish I wish that was still it. Um, I don't know where our where the line is. Where the line in the sand for your average American? Where is that line in the sand? China is now after years and years of torment and oppression. China is now getting to the point where they're like, no, this is it. We've had enough, and they are going out and they are starting to protest. Um, they are protesting so much that you know China is obviously worried about it for a multitude of reasons. One, they aren't acknowledging that they're existing. Um, so obviously, if they aren't acknowledging the existence of these protests, they're actually worried about these protests. Um, but the Chinese media is ignoring it completely. They're ignoring the protest completely, and they're definitely not acknowledging the police brutality that's happening on the streets. Thankfully, technology has allowed it where many users with VPNs were posting to Twitter to show what had been happening uh, during during the protests on the streets. You could get video of uh, you could get video of the. Um, police brutality, of what's happening during the protests, of what's going on, what they're saying, what they're doing. So almost immediately, China, being China, um, as reported by Joseph Min at the Washington Post, numerous Chinese language accounts, some dormant for months or years, came to life early Sunday and started spamming Twitter with links to escort services and other adult offerings alongside city names. So that way, when you would go in, you'd be like, yeah, I wonder what's going on in Wuhan. You would get nothing but a bunch of uh, escorts listings and different pornography. The result of this was for hours, anyone searching for posts, I guess that's in here. Uh, Anyone searching for posts from those cities and using the Chinese names for the locations would see pages and pages of useless tweets instead of information about the protest as they escalated to include calls for the communist leader, communist party leaders to resign. So the lesson here, when you're trying to cover up something really bad, throw sex out there to distract them. And I'm certain Many of the people watching or listening to this show learned that from the Clintons. So one of the big things that uh, China is also doing, I also, I think, yeah, that's the end of my notes. I just heard all, read all this stuff today. Um, one of the big things that China is doing is they're shutting down hashtags where they're talking about the protests, talking about getting rid of Xi, cutting all of that out. So what 
many people in China have been doing is holding up blank pieces of paper. And it would have been really good of me to get a blank piece of paper for this part, but I didn't. But holding up blank pieces of paper, and that is their way of saying they're being silenced because they can't write anything on the paper because it will get censored. So that is how this is becoming the white paper revolution. Now, now uh, Josh Umbaugh says, but, but Twitter is Nazi propaganda, right? Twitter is Nazi pro propaganda, but let's ignore everything going on in China. Uh, no, I don't want to talk about Apple and uh, he says with his AirPods on. Um, I don't want to talk. I don't want to talk about Apple and Twitter because that's going to be a really fun battle to watch. So I'm going to wait for that to come out a little bit more before we start uh, diving into that. But everything that's happening in China is on scale with, if not greater than the trucker protest. That's definitely great. It is way greater than the trucker pro protest uh, in Canada. When you had all of these people in America, all of these people in America that were supporting the truckers, Elon's included, um, they were saying, you know, I'm here for the Canadian truckers. I support the Canadian truckers. None of them are showing any support for the people in China, the people who quite literally could die doing what they are doing. I'm glad that you supported the people. I'm glad you supported the people in Canada. You also have to support the people in China. They need it more. They both need they both need it equally. I don't want to say one needs it more than the other, but the people in China are playing a game that is going to be a much more deadly game than the people in Canada ever could. Well, I mean, I guess if they get sick in Canada now, they just kill them. Um, that's what all their doctors do, apparently. Uh, look up the hashtag Trudeau is the new Hitler. Um, but but uh, the people in China need the support. I'm not one who's like, you know, share this hashtag, share this, blah, blah, blah. But look for the, look for the, white, blank, the white blank box in Twitter because those are going to be people who are telling you what's happening on the ground and they are going to be the ones who are, you'll be able to get the firsthand account from them. So look for the white blank box. Support the white paper revolution. Support the people of China who want to be free from the tyranny that they have been living under and uh, support this show. Uh, head on over to anchor.fm slash subscribe. Uh, you will get uh, a lot of stuff. You get uh, discounts at the store. And I, prom I, I know that I said this last week and I do mean it. I do mean it. Uh, we are just in a state of flux right now and we are figuring things out. But there will be more extra content coming out. You're going to get access to a lot of really cool stuff in the future. Um, we have a partnership that we are currently working on with this very cool company that we will be able to do a lot more really neat stuff with. So be on the lookout for all of this. It's going to be great. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Uh, I love each and every one of you. Next week, we are going to be live. Tuesday, 8 o'clock with me. And Alex Snicker will be joining me once a month as my co-host of Muddied Wires of Freedom. So tune in. First Tuesday of the month, me, Alex Snicker. He's going to be here. We're going to have a great show. We're going to have a great time. I believe Jason Lyon has a show later this week, so tune in for that. Uh, and I think that's it. Is there anything else? Anybody have anything? No? Cool. All right. Thank you all so much. And remember, where we're actually – which one do we want to do? Do we want – I'm gonna I'm gonna do what I
what I want to do. I can I can do whatever I want now. Uh, <laughs> it's like I can. Um, have a great week, and remember where we're going. We don't need roads. Okay, I wanna tell you guys a story about a band called Nirvana. You probably know the story already, but whatever, they were a good band, man, a really good band. They had this awesome third album, lost them a lot of fans, though had this great track on it called Tourette's that went, but the band na 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 doesn't really work over these chords. Anyway, I've totally lost my train of thought. Uh oh yeah, Cockabane's dead and I'm reliably informed that Courtney did it. She did it, Courtney did it, our oh, Courtney killed Cobain. She did it, Courtney did it, Courtney did it, Courtney killed Cobain. I don't know why we blame it on her. It seems easy to say, Courtney Love is capable of murder. But I haven't much of anything to back that up. I might be going out on a limb here, but mm, I think society doesn't seem to like women at the best of times, but we really get mad when they fuck our rock stars, you know? Kurt Cobain belongs to us, we cried, so naturally when he died, everybody said, Courtney did it. She did it, Courtney did it, our oh, Courtney killed Cobain. She did it, Courtney did it, Courtney did it, Courtney killed Cobain. She raised that kid on her own. Yeah, 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 she's got problems. Don't we all have problems that would be exacerbated by living life in the public eye? Need I remind you this poor human being lost her husband when she was barely 29? And we repair her by hassling her on Twitter fucking 700 times a day. Her phone goes ping, 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 ping. And 99% of the time is saying the same thing as saying, Good evening, Courtney Love. It is I, MK Ultra Truther 99, and you will no doubt be nervous to learn I've been carrying out an independent investigation into the mysterious circumstances surrounding your husband's suicide. Kurt Cobain's suicide note is four paragraphs of a man preparing to leave you and retire from the music industry, followed by four lines at the end, a different pen and different handwriting, in which he talks about suicide. Pretty weird, Courtney. Pretty weird, not incriminating on its own. However, following your husband's death in your possession was found a piece of paper in which you've been practicing his handwriting. What have you been practicing? You've been practicing the last fucking four lines of his suicide note. How do you explain that? I'll tell you how I explain that. You did it, you did it, just admit it, you killed Kurt Cobain. You did it, just admit it, just admit it, you killed Kurt Cobain. Kurt Cobain, Kurt Cobain, killed Kurt Cobain. Kurt Cobain, Kurt Cobain. Pretty convincing, isn't it? I know I find it convincing more often than I don't, but then I am particularly vulnerable to these kinds of stories. You know, there is a question that I ask myself about once every 18 months, once every two years or so, and this is a question that smart people ask themselves every day, multiple times a day. I would go so far as to say it as the question that keeps a smart person smart. Four words. What if I'm wrong? What if I'm wrong? What if, what if reality is exactly as it seems?
What if 9-11 was not an inside job carried out by the American military-industrial complex against its own people to justify a series of power grabs in the Middle East? What if it was just a reaction to decades of carelessness and aggression, centuries of imperialism? What if JFK was not assassinated by his own government? He was murdered by one man, one confused and lonely man who preferred the reality inside his head to the reality outside of it. I can relate to that. Who wanted to be a hero, I can relate to that as well. Who probably died not understanding why he wasn't a hero and why everyone was so mad at him. You know, Kurt Cobain had a genetic predisposition to, in no particular order, substance abuse, paranoia, depression, anxiety, not to mention he was a member of the music industry. These qualities put a person at particularly high risk of suicide. There. Simple, tidy, and most boring of all, it just makes sense. We are vulnerable to these kinds of stories. Partly because they make our world seem less chaotic, but also because if you stack enough of these stories one on top of each other, you block out the bigger story, the story which is as terrifying as it is verifiably true, and that is that we are marooned out here, stranded on a rock in the middle of nowhere, and bad things are going to keep on happening to good people until one day, one day the worst thing is going to happen to all of the best people at once. An asteroid will hit, or we'll start a nuclear war, or we won't put enough money into developing new antibiotics and a super virus will wipe us all out. And if we manage to avoid all of those things, one day the ice caps will melt. And if we manage to survive that, one day the sun's gonna explode. And there is no hope of rescue or escape because who is there to rescue us? Where is there to escape to? We are not taught how to deal with these things. And so we are left to our own devices to come up with ways of distracting ourselves. Sex and drugs and rock and roll. And that's just what works for most of us. For some of us, that is not enough. And those are the people who fly passenger jets into skyscrapers. Those are the people who kill presidents. Those are the people who load up on guns and splatter their brains out all over the family home while people like me, arseholes, the intrepid keyboard detectives willing to say the things no one else is willing to say because they can see the things no one else is willing to see, will explain to anyone who will listen with unbearable fucking smugness and unrepenting glee. Courtney did it, she did it, Courtney did it, our Courtney killed Cobain. You did it, Justin did it, Justin did it, you killed Kurt Cobain, Kurt Cobain, Kurt Cobain, kill Kurt Cobain, Kurt Cobain, Kurt Cobain, na 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 na.